You're listening to The Way Home with Daniel Darling, a proud member of the Venom Audio Network. Well, hello and welcome to The Way Home Podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me today. Uh, I am honored and gratified uh, that you would uh, download and listen uh, to these conversations. Hopefully they're helping you and shed new light on things to think about the culture, about your spiritual life, about how to study the Bible, and how to know God more deeply. Uh, that is my goal here. I'd love for you, if you enjoy this podcast, to uh, go on uh, iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts and write a review. Uh, let me read a review from someone, and their name is JJ. Uh, debates, I believe, uh, and they give it four, st- five stars, which is, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And they say, outstanding podcast. Finding a well-scripted podcast on interesting and relevant topics is becoming increasingly difficult. However, your program continues to be a top-tier informational and biblical resource. Keep up the great job, and I look forward to new and upcoming podcasts. Well, thank you for that. And if you are someone who'd like to write a review, it just kind of helps. Um, other folks get to know what uh, we are doing here. If you do that and you write a review and you copy it in the contact portion of my website at danieldarling.com and send it to me, then uh, I will send you a free copy of my book, Away With Words. So write a review, copy it in the contact uh, portion of my website, and I'll send you a free book, Away With Words. Okay, today we have a great guest lined up. My good friend Michael Kelly stops by on the podcast. Michael is a gifted pastor and uh, author. He has written quite a few books and has done quite a a lot of work with Lifeway in terms of curriculum and other things. Um, Just a gifted uh, speaker and teacher of the Bible. He has a resource called The Whole Story for the Whole Family, a year of Jesus-centered family devotions. I don't know about you, but for us as a family, uh, we try to prioritize uh, what family worship looks like. Uh, and it looks different for every every family, um, but we want to teach our kids the Bible in, in addition to what they're learning at church, and vacation Bible school, and other places. But sometimes we don't always know where to start. And this book is a really great resource. It not only has uh, devotions that are good for the whole family, but it has a lot of activities and potential um object lessons that you can use that range from ages, you know, young ages to uh, kids as they get older. Uh, just a really great resource and tool to have. So I want to encourage you to get this. We'll have links to it in our show notes. I wanted to have Michael on to talk about how he does family devotions with his kids, uh, how he leads his family spiritually, and some of the uh, ways that he does that. So let's join our conversation with my good friend, Michael Kelly. Glad to have back on the podcast, uh, my good friend Michael Kelly. Michael, thanks, thanks for coming back on, man. And it is—it's my pleasure. It's always great to talk with you and catch up and, and talk about all kinds of things. So uh, I wanted to have you on because for a number of reasons, uh, just to because always interesting to have conversations uh, with you. But uh, you have this great new resource out for families called The Whole Story for the Whole Family, a year of Jesus-centered family devotions. I, I love that you have this resource. You know, I think about family devotions, you know, we do them in our family and we really encourage, you know, as a pastor, encouraging families to do that. But, you know, it could be a little challenging, right? Depending on the age of your kids, keeping them all from like cutting up all the time, 
you know, how to make it age appropriate. So it's nice to have tools like this. So just talk about like what what do family devotions look like in the Kelly household? Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I mean, I think anybody who does a family devotion resonates with what you're, with what you're saying. It's a, you know, I think like with anything else, you sort of walk into the experience and you feel like, man, there's good, but we're going to have revival that breaks out at least once a week, at least once a week, maybe, maybe more, maybe more. Uh, and then you quickly realize it's, it's kind of, it's kind of difficult to herd everybody together and have some consistency around it and that kind of thing. Uh, over the years as we've done it, we, we have just found that different things have been, have been effective, uh, in terms of keeping kids, uh, attentive. And that's really what, what I wanted to model this book around was what really worked in our family. It's changed over the years. You know, when our kids were younger, it was really mainly about just reading a Bible story together and then praying, and then it became a bit more introspective. What's been cool in recent days as our kids have grown into the teenage years is we have now started to spread out the leadership responsibility. So, you know, our, our, uh, we, we do it now where one member of the family leads every day of the week. And so it's been neat to see my kids pick up a resource and pick up the Bible and, and figure out, oh, this is, I can actually be conversant about the Bible and assume a leadership role. I can, I, this is not, it, it's actually not rocket science. I can do this. And there's hopefully that just multiplies into the future for them, you know? Yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, it, I, I think it, doing like family worship or family devotionals, whatever we call it, catechism or discipleship, you know, you and I throw those words around a lot because that's the work we do. We're we're kind of writers, and we're in this kind of world of pastors and writers. And but you know, for the average um, everyday Christian trying to raise their family in the Lord, I think sometimes th- those ideas can be intimidating. Sure, like, hey, I don't have a seminary degree, or you know, I've I've only been a Christian for a couple of years. You might hear people say, or you know, I just don't know enough to be able to do this. So maybe give some word of encouragement to people who really want to teach their kids the Bible, but are just a little bit, they feel like, man, I, I don't think I'm equipped to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 both of us, I think, hear that all the time. All the conversations I have about this, it's, it, it, people do feel that level of intimidation, uh, almost unqualified. Am I really the right person to, to do it? I, I think I would encourage people by saying, look, the, the fact that you're thinking about doing this shows that you have a, a level of interest and you feel a level of responsibility for it. That's a first big battle. It's just knowing that this is something that you want to do. And the second word of encouragement I would give is that, you know, don't feel like you have to reinvent the wheel every time. Sometimes I think parents feel like they have to sit down with nothing but a Bible and be able to open it up and exposit two or three chapters of, of scripture in front of their kids. And I would say that not only do you not have to do that, but that may not actually be the most effective way to to, uh, to hold your family's attention and really culture and, and uh, cultivate a love of God's word in them. So use the tools that are available. I mean, this tool, for example, that I've written is meant to be super user friendly, where you can where you can pick it up and just go with with very very little preparation and be in and out in ten to fifteen minutes. But then I think the greatest word of encouragement and a more from a more spiritual standpoint for a parent to to remember is that God is actually on your side in this endeavor. Mm-hmm. That's a really important thing to remember that that not only is he with you but he is totally for you 
in this endeavor with your family. In fact, this is really, I mean, you could say this, this is, this is categorically God's will for your life is that parents play an active role mm. in the spiritual development of, of their kids. And so the Lord is going to, you can move forward in faith, really believing the Lord is going to help you do this, to take responsibility for it and do it. You know, that's such a good word. And I think people need to hear that. I mean, I think of the passage in scripture of, you know, God has given us everything for life and godliness. Like God has equipped us with what we need. And one of the ways that he, you know, he obviously equips us through the Holy Spirit uh, as parents and he gives us the word of God, but he also gives us the body of Christ, right? And this is why resources like the one you put together, like we're not in this alone. Mm-hmm. And so what I try to tell people, and we, we practice this ourselves, is that when I approach discipleship with my kids, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like I'm not doing this in a vacuum, like I'm the first one that did it. We can learn and uh, and use resources from other parents and and books and things that have been produced. And this is what I encourage, like take a book like uh, – that Michael has put together and make this a centerpiece of, of this and go through it. And uh, you can have discussions about it. Um, so, you know, really we don't have to be lone rangers, right? We're in community doing this as parents together. Yes. And that's a wonderful gift that we have uh, that we have for each other. I think that's really the best way for it to work. You know, parents shouldn't feel like they are the only spiritual influence in the lives of their children. Mm-hmm. Uh they should feel like they are um, among the great cloud of witnesses. I mean, an ideal situation is that is that you have uh, a cooperation between the church and the family. That all of these things are working together to help raise kids into a life of into a life of faith. As a matter of fact, my my hope is that one of the things that comes out of a, a period of of quarantine and COVID is a greater awareness of the need and interest on the part of parents in playing a more active role in the lives of their kids. Because when everything shut down, we no longer had the uh, option, if you'll forgive, that's sort of a crass statement, but we no longer had the option of outsourcing our spiritual development uh, of our kids to the church. If they were going to continue to grow in Christ, it really was because we had to make that choice in the home. Mm And by God's grace, I think a lot of parents did that to a greater degree. And so hopefully now that things, you know, begin to open back up and their church programs and everything's like that, I, I hope it's not a sigh of relief that, oh, we don't have to do that anymore as parents, but rather it's, boy, let's, we had such a great time together against, against uh, around God's word. Let's multiply that. Let's continue that, that we've, that we've had over the course of the last year, year and a half and see what the Lord will do in the life of our family. Yeah, that's such a great word. I mean, it, it is a partnership. Parents have to take primary responsibility for for discipling our children. And yet, man, I feel like it's so important for us to be in a local church and be in a community because, um, you know, this parenting thing, we need each other to learn to learn from each other. You know, some of the best parenting advice I get is from, other parents maybe in my church or that I'm close with that maybe are a few miles ahead on the journey and you kind of look at them and you say, okay, they're, they've survived, you know, hundred percent. Uh, their kids are, seem to be thriving. They got through this. What did you do? Uh-huh. And, you know, usually it's funny. It's usually people who aren't doing podcasts or writing books like we do. It's just rich, ordinary people saying, here's what we did with our kids with their cell phones, or here's what we yep. did with driving, or here's how we handled this. Yep. We, we need the community of faith, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. I, the older that my kids that my kids get, 
I appreciate more and more the fact that when you are a like a real contributing, vibrant part of a local church, that there are multiple voices, not only that can give you counsel as a parent, but then that can actually speak into the lives of your your kids. I mean, that's that's one of the great things about being a part of a church for a sustained period of time is that your children actually develop relationships with other men and women in the church. I know that there are some things that at this point in his life, my 17-year-old is probably going to not necessarily come directly to me about, but it gives me a ton of comfort to know that there really are other men in our church that are saying the same thing that I would say to him, but he's just at the point in his life where his ears are a little bit more attuned to not his dad's voice. You know what I mean? I feel like we go in cycles. Uh, we go in cycles like that. And so it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to know that there are, that there are men and women like that. Yeah. That's such a good word. And, you know, uh, just to give encouragement that parents, you can do this. Um, and you know, what we're talking about family devotions, it looks different for every family, right? It doesn't have to be, uh, Theology 101 class. It doesn't right. have to be, you know, it, it, every, we want to teach our kids the basic truths of the scripture, and but it looks a little different in every family, right? And sometimes it's fun. And I, I, I like your idea, and that's something that I think we want to try in our family, like asking the kids to to kind of prepare something and yeah. and, and see what they can learn and teach the family. How, how has that gone? It's gone. It's gone really well. It does help to have a have a tool that they can that they could use that sort of guides them that guides them through. Yeah. But the the it's neat to see their confidence level grow, uh, not just in leading a discussion, but but being able to lead a discussion about the Bible. The tools really are helpful. So, for example, in this devotion book, again, it's I, we pulled together stuff that has worked over the course of years for our family. So every day starts with uh, like a little object lesson or a game or something like that. Now, mm -hmm. to be clear, the object lesson is not, you know, go find some spare lumber from your shed and build a birdhouse before. It's not, it's, it's not that. It's, it's more like get three boxes of cereal from the pantry because you're going to use this for a little yeah. object, you know. So it's got a, a, little, a, a little object lesson that brings out the major truth that you're going to talk about. And then there's a text that's usually five to 10 verses that you read. And then there's two or three paragraphs that explain what the text means and also sets it in its context, uh, it, where it's happening and when it's happening in the Bible. And then there's three or four discussion questions at the end and a prayer prompt. And so a, a child really could lead this. I, I can say that with authenticity because I've watched my own kids, my own kids do it because they just sort of follow the plan. And one of the beautiful things about them doing it then is it, I think for them, it helps internalize the truths potentially even more than when they're only participating. I find that's often true in all realms of leadership, you know, that the, the moment when we believe and internalize these things the most is when we're actually helping someone else to learn them and to articulate them. It's a really cool thing. Hello, friends. I just want to tell you about a really new partnership uh, that we have developed with an amazing company called Canopy. Now, I don't know about you. But as a parent, I find it increasingly difficult to monitor my children's internet consumption with all the devices and computers. And how do you balance safety on the internet in terms of objectionable content, pornography, and things that we don't want them to see with 
speed and use of the internet for things that they need, like their homework, getting a hold of them. My oldest one is driving and I want to be able to, her to have a way to get a hold of me. How do you do that well? Sometimes it feels like you have to prioritize either speed and accuracy and accessibility or safety. Well, my friends at Canopy have developed this really neat tool that they beta tested in Israel, and it's so good, they brought it over to the United States, and it uses this proprietary technology uh, using artificial intelligence to block objectionable images, but not always necessarily websites. And so how this works is that even on your their phones, if someone texts them something objectionable or they're going to a website that they need to go to, but there's objectionable images, it doesn't block the website, but it'll block the, the images from coming through. And it works uh, in multiple apps that are on their phone in ways that a lot of other filters don't. It's a great, great tool. And if you are a Way Home listener, you can go to canopy.us slash way home. That's canopy.us slash way home. C-A-N-O-P-Y dot U-S slash way home. And you can get a special discount. Your first 30 days free and 20% off of Canopy for life. So you want to do that. Go to canopy.us slash way home and check this out. It's a great tool that I know you will use and, and be thankful for as a parent. Besides being a writer and leading up resource development and everything at Lifeway, uh, you're also a pastor, you know, uh, an elder. And so uh, this has been an interesting time for the church, right? Uh, <laughs> y- you know, to say the least, that's right. an understatement. Right. Um, we're sort of coming out of the COVID era, you know, an era unlike anything else we've been through. Yeah. So what are what are some thoughts that you have in terms of like, obviously churches are regathering, uh, families are coming back to church. What are some of the things you mentioned? One thing that we, we learned the importance of family discipleship. But what are some other things you think we're learning as a as the church as we come out of this interesting season? Uh, boy, there there are many. I, you know, when I think about COVID, I I I've tended to start thinking about it in this way: that it feels to me like COVID has revealed a lot more than it has caused, and those are two really different things. You know, uh, I I think that 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 this season that we've been in, there's no doubt that it has caused some things, some terrible things. But I do think that it has revealed a lot more than it's actually caused. So that is to say latent issues that were below the surface in the life of the local church that have always been there. And COVID was just sort of the, the catalyst that brought those up to the surface. Just, just one example. Um, you know, we know from looking at data that the frequency of church attendance has been declining for some time. So 20 or 30 mm-hmm. years ago, people, it was not uncommon for people to actually go to church three times a week. It's a very common thing. So if you, you went to somebody before COVID and said, hey, you're a faithful church member, right? And they said, yes. Well, how many times do you go to church a week? And they would say, well, once. That's just when I go to, to, to church. And then COVID happens. And then and then suddenly nobody goes to church. You, you watch church. And in a way, what COVID revealed was that tendency inside of, of the, the modern Christian to feel like a physical meeting with regularity with the body of Christ was actually necessary for their spiritual development. So it, it's, it's, uh, it accelerated what was already there in people's, in people's mindsets. Now, that's, that can be really discouraging for a pastor. Uh, 
But one of the encouraging things is that, you know, at least now coming out of COVID, it has had kind of a level setting effect so that we, we now know kind of who and what it is that we're dealing with. We, we really do have a good firm gauge of the actual spiritual climate of the, of the congregation that maybe we would not have had if it were not for COVID. So COVID has, has been destructive. It's been a terrible season. At the same time, in some ways, it has really told us the truth. And that perhaps that's mm-hmm. one of the redemptive things that's going to come in the next several months and, and years as we continue to recover and build back from this. Yeah, I mean, it it in some ways I felt, you know, I alternated so many different feelings during, especially during, especially here in Tennessee, when, it, you know, during the height of it, when it was really, the numbers were climbing and things were locked down. You know, sometimes I was like, you know, God's really testing us, you know, testing the church. But also, you know, what what good things can come out of this season? Um, and I, I think one thing that might emerge, you know, I, you know, we're we're in a digital age, obviously, where a lot of our conversations are mediated by screens. Um, and there's so many benefits to that, right? That I can record a podcast with you right now, sure, over over the internet, and I can. FaceTime my parents in Illinois and my, you know, I could talk to people overseas and I could listen to podcasts. I can, there's so much good stuff, but then there's also some negative, you know, I think we saw during COVID that is, is helpful as this technology is, it can't replace kind of embodied relationships gathering weekly in church. And I, I think it, I hope, I think it gave us more of an appreciation for gathering together uh, for embodied worship, for what we do on Sundays. I I don't know if you found that yourself, but I, I, I know for our family and just people I talk to, there's just kind of a renewed appreciation of actually seeing people and, and gathering on Sundays. There is. I do feel that way. I do feel that way too. And I think a lot of people do. Um, unfortunately, I do think that there are another group of people who perhaps weren't already really connected with a church body. And uh, I think for that group of people, it, I don't know if you could say it's a less of appreciation, but but maybe that there is a group of people who would say, you know, I kind of didn't think it was that important, and we did fine, we made it, we're on the other side, so you know, it's we, we're our lives are busy, and travel baseball is back, and and we, you know, we got things to do on the weekend, and so there's there's another group of people like that as well. It it will be interesting. I you know I don't know who or when the definitive work on the psychological impact of quarantine mm. and isolation is going to come out, but it will be fascinating to see. It will be. It's been interesting as a parent to see the effect on on my kids. So if 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 you and I as adults have felt that renewed appreciation for gathering in person. Well, boy, I would double down on that in the lives of my kids. It's my kids, which is a little bit surprising to me because they have been raised in a generation that is always on a screen. But even for them, I think then a greater extent for me, they have been like, whatever's happening, if it's happening in person, I want to I want to be there. I don't care what it is. If it's happening in person, I'm there. I'm there. I can't I can't do another screen. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, we we felt that way too. Like, you, you know, for kids particularly, it was really awful. I mean, it was this is COVID was as, in some ways a grand social experiment. Yeah, um, yeah. 
that I'm, I'm curious, as you said, five years from now, the documentaries, the books, when it's, you're fully able to kind of look back and analyze what, what we did right, what we did wrong, but just kind of the trend lines and, and the things that, that happened. I, I think it's fascinating. Um, in another sense, though, there's a sense in which it's good we're getting back to stuff, but then I know we felt this too. All of a sudden, our schedule fills up again, and there's this kind of rush back into the hectic and the and and the got to be here and got to be there and have to be, do this and have to do that. And then there was a part of me that was like, man, you know, I don't know if I want to go fully back. So it does seem like a time where a lot of folks, including a lot of Christians, kind of took stock of their lives and yeah. reevaluated where. You know, what do we, who do we want to be as a family? Yeah. You know, a lot of people made big life decisions. I'm sure you, you've seen that in your circles and for sure life and everything. Yep. For sure. For us, you know, we, we talk about last March when everything shut down in mass for us, it, it felt in some ways like we rediscovered home, uh, and the beauty of home. And it is a little bittersweet. You know, you're so thankful that this, this period is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. But the, in a weird sense, that there is a little bit of that nostalgia of, you know, you mm-hmm. come to the end of the day and it's 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 not a question of okay, who's got what practice, what's the activity here, and instead it's like okay, so should we continue the Monopoly game from last night or should we start something new? You know, like it like that's what it was uh, because there was nothing yeah. else there for a while. You know, yeah, I. I- I have that same nostalgia too, because, you know, I remember we're taking walks, you know, a couple of walks a day and, you know, it, I'm working from home. Um, you know, I was able to get my book projects done because, you know, we're not going anywhere. It's funny. I had a conversation with Oz Guinness a couple of weeks ago because he spoke at something that I was at and I just said, how are you getting through COVID? And he's like, he said for him, well, he's like, the quarantine was great. I wrote three <laughs> books. Now he, now he's Oz Guinness. He can yeah, do that. But there is a right. sense of like, man, you know, there was, there was that. So it, it is re- really interesting, but um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm thankful, uh, Michael, that you have got this resource. And I, and I think hopefully through the season, people will really redouble their efforts to disciple their children. And I, I want to encourage folks to go get it. Uh, it uh, is a great resource. It's called the whole story for the whole family, a year of Jesus centered family devotions, which we'll have a link to in our show notes. Uh, Michael is a great writer that you should read all his books. I think the first book I read of yours, which I just could not put down, was uh, Wednesdays Were Pretty Normal. And I've had you on to talk about that, but uh, just the writing and how raw and real it was 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 so good. And so I just want to commend folks to go check out your work. And uh, curious if you're working on anything else right now, any projects. Well, that is very kind. Uh, you know, I'm actually not – maybe you feel this way. I don't know if you do. Yeah, but I, it feels like every time that I write something that has a little bit of weight to it, you know, something that's that's longer, long form, it just feels like, okay, that's it. I've now said everything that I have to say, and there's nothing else left in the tank. And then it, it just seems like the Lord is faithful in a few months. I've said, well, maybe I have something else to say. But I'm, I'm currently still in the, you know, I think I've said everything that I have to <laughs> that I have to say. Uh, so really the, the bulk of the ride that I'm doing right now is just on, on the blog. Uh, if folks want to check that out, it's michaelkelly.co. And so I blog there, uh, four times, four times a week. And, and so I'm just doing my best to keep up with, keep up with that. 
and uh, then we'll see what happens in the next few months. Thank you for asking, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel that way. You have seasons where you're like, I'm, I'm done. I'm never going to write another book again. My wife's like, yeah, you will. You, <laughs> you've got more ideas in that head of yours, and then it happens. But uh, thankful for your work, Michael. And we want to encourage folks to check out Michael's website and this book. We'll have links to it in the show notes. But thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Way Home Podcast with Daniel Darling. For more information, you can visit danieldarling.com. If you do like this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. We also encourage you to rate and review so others can know about the podcast. You can follow me at at dandarling on Twitter or go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash danielmdarling. I also want to encourage you again to check out my latest book, Away With Words, and you can visit awaywithwordsbook.com. Thank you for listening again to The Way Home Podcast. This is a production of the National Religious Broadcasters. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app.